You know what the most dangerous thing in America is, right? Nigga with a library card. <laughs> This is the Most Dangerous Thing in America podcast, a show in which we read books by black authors, and they're talked about by a black author, and you can listen if you are black or not black, that's okay. This week on the podcast, we read Nindi uh, Okorafor's latest novel, Noor, which just came out a week ago, and I read it, and I'm going to talk about it, and yeah, I'm just going to hop right in here. Oh, I want to say one thing before we start. If you care about spoilers, just turn this thing off. I'm going to spoil stuff. I don't care about spoilers. I think they're silly. If you care about that, that's fine. You know, whatever. I mean, I I don't care. But if you care, turn this thing off because I will just be saying whatever I want. All right. How did I come to the novel? Uh, I can't remember how I came to the writer, Akorafor. I got to keep checking the name because I'm going to mess that up. Did I just mess it up again? No, I got to write. Okay, Akorafor, which is sad because I've been reading her for years now. I read the Binti trilogy a couple years back, but I knew about her before that, so I don't know how I came to the writer, but that's how I came to this novel. So since I read the Binti trilogy, at least I've been paying attention to uh, to this writer, and I follow her on Twitter, and so I knew this novel was coming out. Okay, so that's that. So, I, so I, I'm interested, and I was going to read this no matter what for the podcast or not for the podcast, particularly because this is an adult novel, and a lot of her work recent, in recent years has been YA, and uh, I don't like YA novels. That being said, I did really enjoy the Binti Trilogy, which is a YA novel. I, I had to read one for a challenge I was doing. I read one, and then I didn't have to read the other two, and I read both of those. And similarly, The Children of Blood and Bone, which I read recently, I really liked. So, in general, a generalization, I don't like YA novels. Okay, let's give a basic outline of this novel. So the plot is uh, essentially after a violent incident at a market, Ao, the main character, and Ao kind of stands for autobionic organism, but also stands for the main character's real first name. So after a violent incident at a market, Ao is on the run from authorities and Ultimate Corp. During her escape, she runs into DNA, that's an acronym for a real name, himself fleeing from his own violent accident, and together they're on the lam trying to get away in this uh, crazy world. Alright, so that's the basic plot. So it's a kind of a fugitive story. You could somewhat compare it to Queen and Slim from a couple years ago, but my problem with that comparison is that I really hated that movie. And also, I don't think um, Nindi Okorafor would appreciate the comparison for a reason I'm going to get into right now, which is this book is a work of African futurism, not Afrofuturism. And the writer has a blog post up and also a small Twitter thread about the difference between the two. Basically, the main difference is that African futurism centers Africa and doesn't center the West and focuses on stories that are uh, dealing with what is in Africa and not what could have been somewhere else or the black diaspora anywhere else. Uh, I think this is fine. Well, let me let me just say first of all that um, I think it's mostly fine and certainly anybody can 
can write or be in whatever genre they want to. I do have one large problem with this, and I think that I don't think this is the writer's intention. I keep saying the writer because I just don't want to mess up Nindy's name. I just want to call her Nindy, but it's not like we're friends. I don't think this is um, Miss Okorafor's intention, but I do think that things like this still separate black folks from African folks in a way that's harmful. Like, it's just one more barrier between black people who are already, yeah, okay, although like black Americans are part of the West and have been now for centuries, they are still marginalized in the West. And then also now there's a boundary towards people who have a direct tie to the continent. In other words, people like Nindia Korafor, who can actually remember, you know, things about being Nigerian, whose parents are both from Nigeria, Igbo, uh, as, as it says in her biography. You know, I feel like it creates another set of barriers. That is not at all the writer's intention. And maybe it doesn't really create those barriers, but I feel like it at least could. But so anyway, let's go into some evidence of this novel being African futurism by the writer's own definition. One, the book is set in Nigeria. Two, it deals with African political issues, which admittedly are not something that Afrofuturism would deal with. As the writer goes through in her piece on her blog spot, the person who coined the term, I believe it was Mark Day, the person who coined the term Afrofuturism talked about how it dealt with issues of black Americans. So there is some val validity, of course, in the term African futurism. But anyway, this book deals with political issues such as uh, Africa, and let's just say Nigeria more specifically, because as we all know, Africa is a continent. Africa, or excuse me, Nigeria being a puppet for China or the Middle East or the United States. The very existence of Ao's body is kind of a metaphor for this, right? So Ao's body, as I said, is an autobionic organism, is constructed from parts that are from Ultimate Corp. And Ultimate Corp is a multinational corporation that also has people on its board who been who are from who are not from Africa who benefit from it. So it's the metaphor of Africa, the African body being raped by the West for profit, which is a very real thing and always has been. So no one's going to disagree with that. No one on this podcast, at least, tell you that much right now. Okay, so it deals with those very much African political issues. But, you know, again, those could be expanded to the diaspora. I should also give uh, the writer credit in saying that in her blog post, she says that this is not an exclusionary term and it embraces the diaspora, but first starts in Africa. So let me just get off of my own shit here for a second, okay, and stop being so sensitive, all right? Let's all come together under the umbrella of Pan-Africanism and enjoy this. Uh, all right, so then it also deals with social issues, and this is apparent within the first 10 pages. She talks about her how the main character does AO. She talks about how her fiancé left her, Olani, and then she's accosted by men at the market for much of the same reason. They see her, and they don't think she's a real woman. Uh, one of the people at the market says, See this demon disguised as a woman. May Allah help us all. And uh, the point of this is that there are traditional values in Nigerian culture and many African countries that are extremely conservative and that view certain types of femininity as wrong, uh, gender expressions as wrong, sexual orientations as wrong. 
once again, that could be extended to a lot of black communities outside of Africa as well, certainly in the American black community. So at any rate, though, this stuff is all centered in Nigeria and Africa specifically. Um, one little note on that last piece there where the, I believe it's a papaya, sell, no, not a papaya, what am I talking about? Plantain, a plantain salesman says, see this demon disguised woman, may Allah help us all. Uh, the irony of this, this person using a non-African religion to criticize, uh, what this woman has become, right? Like it's, it's this idea that she's taking on all of this technology from outside of Africa this and, and become this like modern abomination but then he's asking for the help of a of a god that uh, does not originate in Africa um, you know I guess you can't really call Islam a white man's religion or at least it's not usually called that because the Middle East is not viewed as a as a white place but it's um, also not an African religion at least not uh, a West African religion. Okay, and then my last little bit of evidence for this novel being African futurism, because that's what we're doing here, we're talking about the theme of African futurism, is The Othering of the White Man, which is uh, something I rather enjoyed, because, you know, you've read a lot of novels in your life, and black people get described a lot of ways, and some of it's good and some of it's bad. I heard the other day on Twitter people were talking about how black people only get described as food, and I thought that was dumb. I've often described myself as food. And I've seen other black writers describe black people as food, and I've not had any issue with it. I, I've always just had an issue with whether or not something sounds good. So if it sounds good, I don't care if it's described as food. It's more of a tone thing and a style thing than a just a general rule. Like, you can never say somebody has chocolate-hued skin. I don't know. I mean, isn't doesn't it make more sense to say someone's skin looks like chocolate than it does to say it looks black? Your skin is much closer in hue to chocolate than, like, the color black, so I take no offense to that. But anyway, here's how she introduces the only white character in the novel. <laughs> uh, he was indeed a white man, Caucasian, his nose long and narrow, his lips thin, pink and smirking, his smooth head bald, his eyes some color that was not brown. The fire made it hard to tell exactly what color. His pale yet slightly sun-touched skin made him seem to glow in his black robes. And I thought that was kind of othering him in a very cool way. Makes the white man seem tropical instead of the way that black people are always described as tropical or the other or the weird thing. Uh, the only thing I could, th the other thing it made me think of too was in Blood Meridian, obviously a non-black author, Cormac McCarthy, but the judge character, the way he describes him, and it's this, it's kind of like this fleshy, uh, hedonistic giant white man just going out and sucking up all these resources and cataloging all this stuff and um something about that makes him like a giant overgrown child you know like no consideration for what's outside of him you know when children are very young they they're basically just megalomaniacs so that idea of like a giant child rampaging up the countryside killing the natives and Eat, chewing up resources and shining under the sun with pale skin. Uh, Cormac has a great description of the judge and all of his depravity. And then, of course, the End of Blood Meridian has an amazing coda. 
And this kind of put me in the mindset of that, although this character is certainly different. He's kind of an oracle in the novel. But yeah, so anyway. Oh, and there's one last little bit of African futurism, if, you, if you're not convinced yet that this is an African futuristic novel. The podcast. Uh, the podcast in the book is called um, Afrofuturist. But yeah, okay, so I guess the futurist part, if you didn't get it already, is that this book is a sci-fi book and the character is an auto autobionic organism so if that didn't if you didn't get that that was new that we don't have those then i'm sorry uh okay but yeah so that's that's one thing so that's one big theme of the novel and one big thing theme of um india korofor's work okay and then i want to talk about a couple more themes here and then just kind of talk about what i liked about the novel and what i didn't like so another big theme is genetic modification so we've already touched on the autobionic organism part and we also talked about the idea of, um, so I talked about it as the, in the, in the idea of the African body being raped, but another way to take it is just, so that would be more like the political version, but from a social aspect, like when that man comments on her body in the market, the other way you could possibly take it is what are we allowed to do to our bodies? How far can science go kind of thing, which is a very classic sci-fi question. But then that can also be extended to uh, gender and the arguments around gender that are occurring throughout society. So that's another theme that's in there as well. Uh, I mean, because quite literally it says, the, the guy in the market says, see this demon disguised as a woman, may Allah help us all. It doesn't take much imagination to think of someone saying that in our contemporary society about our contemporary society about somebody who's gender fluid or somebody who has come out with their transness or something like that. So yeah, so that's another theme that's in there. Okay. So like I said, basically the novel is in a way a fugitive novel set in the future about this character AO who has an incident at the market where basically she beats up a bunch of guys and has to go on the run and meets up with this fella DNA and they flee together. And, and another similarity between it and Queen and Slim, which again is a movie I did not like, is that they eventually fall in love. And um, I thought the relationship between them was really good. I really liked that. I enjoyed the African futurism themes in general. I like the commentary on the political issues. I like the commentary on the social issues. I like the commentary on genetic modification. I thought all of that was really interesting and good. The things I didn't like, there were two big things. One was the plot. I just kind of felt like this novel should either be a hundred less pages or 300 more pages. Like if it were a novella, I feel like it would be perfect because then even less of the, less of the, not the story, but less of the like little granular details would be fleshed out, right? You would just like, just kind of like uh, glance through things really quickly and just kind of get an overview of the world we live in. Whereas in 200 pages, we get a pretty good amount of detail, including like how Ultimate Corp started and, um, you know, even like how AO's body came to be, the incident that happened to AO's body, all of this stuff, to the point where then it's feeling pretty epic. So I almost wish it would have gone towards being an epic, like a good 
four, 500-page sci-fi novel, which I don't even know if that's considered epic for sci-fi, and then just really flesh everything out and really go into it in even longer, more epic, I'm trying to think of a different word than epic, but in longer, more epic um, scenes. But yeah, it wasn't that. So I, I, I didn't like the plot. I thought that it like simultaneously moved too fast and too slow, mostly too slow given how short the novel was. I thought for a 200-page novel, I would kind of like blast right through it, but it didn't, it kind of moves slow, but not slow enough for me to really ruminate on the parts that I wanted to ruminate on, you know? So I thought that could have, that could have been better. And then the other thing I didn't like, well, it's not I didn't like it, just some instances of dialogue felt a little bit like forced or weird, um, particularly dialogue with cursing in it. I don't know why. It just felt off. Felt like maybe it was a little bit strained. And I don't know if it's because um, the writer hadn't written a uh, an adult novel in a while, so it's like it's like on Curb where um, I think it's where Julia Louis Dreyfus is like, oh yeah, I'm on HBO now, so I can like curse and it's great. Like I just get to say fuck all the time or something. Um, if it was like that, like she's like, oh, I'm writing an adult novel now, so I can like curse again or something but i don't i don't know i think you can curse in a young adult novel i'm not actually sure about that but anyway i felt at some points like the dialogue felt a little bit forced um so i mean there was this scene at the end that's eh, too much of it i know i said i don't believe in spoilers but like it's too much but there's a scene towards the end where there's a few curse words used and i just i was like eh, i don't know something about it felt a bit off and then um yeah, I would say the biggest thing was just the plot. Now, to get back into the things I liked, I like I said, I really liked the themes, and the end of the novel is very strong. And I thought it really tied everything together well. And actually, you know what, I am just going to go ahead and spoil it. At the end, the last line of the novel, so I've given you enough build-up now, you can not listen if you don't hear this, but the last line of the novel is about how... So you know, I won't tell you the climax, but the last line of the novel is how about basically that Ultimate Corp, um, because of what occurred, their, their, like, their, um, their energy mechanism is messed up. I don't even want to give away what that is. The energy mechanism is messed up, and the power in a faraway country goes out. And the implication there is the United States, to me. The implication is that you're not going to be able to keep um, taking from Africa and poor countries to fuel your own uh, country's excess use of everything, really, but, you know, in specific fuels, fossil fuels and whatnot. Um, and it made me think of a conversation we were having last week at my in my office, at the teacher's office, where we were talking about um, Greta Thunberg and how... She's saying everybody should drive electric. And my coworkers, uh, one of whom is African and the other one of whom is uh, French but from African parents, were saying how, you know, she doesn't consider that the people who build the, who mine the um, cobalt for the batteries are from Africa and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're getting paid slave wages. And uh, that's true. But then I was saying that 
you know, if we don't switch to electric or something, then the consumption of fuel that we're using in first world countries will also melt the world and the people who suffer are still those same people in third world countries where, you know, more of the country is turning to desert or there's these intense um, climate change, natural disasters, natural disasters caused by climate change. So it's a real catch-22 and at the very least Greta is trying to do something whereas you have like the leaders of our first world countries meeting in wherever they met this year and then they're like oh yeah we're gonna now we're gonna do this thing and then they they get on their private jet and fly back home and whatever they did changes nothing so it happened that the end of this novel really hit me with um it's commentary because I thought that was really good commentary and it wasn't lost on me throughout the novel. It's in there throughout the novel, but I just thought it was a very strong finish at the end. So I really liked that. So overall, I thought it was good. I thought it lagged in parts. I thought the plot lagged in parts and I thought that some of the dialogue was a bit clunky, possibly because of uh, the writer's uh, ability to finally curse again no i don't know but yeah there were definitely parts i thought the 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 dialogue was a bit clunky the plot was a little bit slow or the novel could have been 100 pages or the novel could have been 500 pages i definitely did have those concerns i wouldn't say it was my favorite of her books that i've read so far but i thought the themes were really good and the heart of the novel which is the relationship between ao and dna is really good and just several of the metaphors really worked for me so ultimately uh, i really enjoyed the read and i think it's always worth it to engage with uh, nindy okorafor's work um all right that's gonna do it it's really nice to be doing books a fiction book i mean it's very nice you know uh you just read it and give an opinion and uh, you don't have to do a i don't know it's like it's six weeks of research to read Fred Moten's book. This book, I just hopped in and read it. I mean, I still did some research. I reread the African Futurist thing, which I'd read uh, a couple of years back. So anyway, uh, okay. In two weeks, going to be discussing Minty Alley by CLR James. I think that's the first repeat author on the podcast because uh, I read Beyond a Boundary a couple months back. That was awesome. So yeah, we're going to be doing Minty Alley by CLR James. I might do Children of Blood and Bone Part 2 and talk about, like, the whole trilogy as, like, a separate just trilogy. It's two books. My bad. It's, like, a separate little podcast, too. So definitely going to do C.L.R. James Minty Alley, but might read the second Children of Blood and Bone book if I have time. Um, and, yeah. I think that Children of Blood and Bone, it's not futurism, so I think that might fall into the... Nindio Okorafor has um, said that is African Jujuism. So maybe it falls into that genre because it's fantasy, but it's not uh, it's certainly centered in Africa. But all right, so that's the plan. That's going to do it for today. Until next time, stay safe, stay black, and keep reading.